0: This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about episode two of Star Trek Picard, Maps and Legends. Welcome back fellow Trekkers and Trekkies, this is TV Podcast Industries and we're talking about the second episode of Star Trek Picard, Maps and Legends. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there fellow
1: Trekkies, I am one of your other hosts, John.
2: And rounding out the group, I'm Chris. Welcome back everybody. Yes.
1: Indeed, yes. Welcome back fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, uh, however you want to be called. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, Maps and Legends. I like the legends, I have to say, in this episode, but we will get into that in our spoiler-filled review. I thought as a Doctor of Geography, you'd be much more likely to like the maps, John. Well, maybe, but like... (laughs) I like the legends, certainly the Romulan legends. That was pretty cool. But yes, we will get into that into the spoiler filled review. We certainly will. Yeah, before we get into our discussion
0: about this episode, we are going to talk about feedback on episode one. As we said last time, we are recording these episodes before they come out. Seems to be really positive feedback overall about the first episode. Almost everybody I talk to has at least watched the episode. (laughs) It seems to be kind of this cultural zeitgeist where everybody wants to go and watch Star Trek Picard, whatever way they can.
2: I was laughing today, actually. I was reading on um, IMDb. and They have user reviews now. Mm -hmm. Great reviews. And someone left a one-star review. Said they actually liked it, but wanted to balance out all of the ten-star reviews. (laughs) Because he felt it was just... People were giving it too good of a score. Mm -hmm. So he's like, to balance it out, I'm going to give it one. I did like it. And these are all the reasons I liked it. Mm -hmm. But I just feel we need to be balanced. I was like, it's the nicest... Backhanded compliment ever? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I like your stuff, but I feel don't want to get into your head. So I'm going to give you one star. But <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say I like it. I
1: what? think it's just
0: crazy, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. as usual with our first episode, I, I do a promotion on Facebook just to get out there that we're doing Star Trek uh, on our podcast because we've never co- covered Star Trek before. I promoted the post for a couple of days. And of course, it did attract a few pieces of feedback that we're not going to discuss here because those pieces of feedback said, I'm not going to watch the show. So what's the point in discussing their feedback on our podcast? Because they're clearly not going to listen to our podcast either, right? So we will be talking about feedback from everybody that did watch the episode, all their thoughts about episode one. If you want to send in any feedback to us, all you need to do is just email us at feedback at com, Or you can pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and leave your thoughts on the spoiler post that i put up each week
1: yes and of course to all fellow trekkies and trekkers you can pop over to our website tvpodcastindustries.com to uh subscribe to the podcast Um rate us leave a review share the podcast uh sharing the podcast is of course sharing the love and of course any good federation or romulan supporting podcast player and we should um, boldly go into your ear holes um, as no podcast has gone before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just stretching these now, aren't we? Of course.
2: <laughs> yes, and if you would like to help keep our dilithium chambers running, keep the lights on on this podcast, feel free to pop over to patreon.com slash industries where you can donate a single euro, a single dollar, single pound and help keep this podcast going but of course you can also support us as john says by sharing the love and sharing the podcast
0: absolutely let's hop into our feedback we got our first piece of feedback from steve bren he sent us in a voicemail to our email address
3: hello fellow truckers this is steve and uh, this is for picard season one episode one remembrance i uh, have to admit i'm i'm really glad and i want to thank you guys so much for your preview episode that you did because it really helped with what was going on in this episode because I think I, I was I was really lost I actually watched the episode before I listened to your preview podcast so um, it, it really helped with the questions that I had that I was going to be posing to other people and be like well what about this Rammana supernova and what's going on with synthetics and all that so getting the chance to see that was was really or hear that uh, from you guys was really good and it really helped me. With what is going on in this world, because I was never a big TNG fan. Actually, I wasn't a fan of TNG at all. I didn't watch it, so uh, I'm not uh, familiar with the Picard character as other fans of the the world and universe. This universe are so. I'm Kind of like Chris, I'm I'm a peripheral fan. I uh, I watched Voyager. I watched Discovery, and I watched the reruns of TOS. But I don't think I watched any of the other ep- shows. I never watched. Next generation. I never watched uh, Enterprise, the one with Scott Bakula. Deep Space Nine. I never watched any of those other ones. So, so I don't really have as much invested in in this character as other people do. I do enjoy uh, watching Patrick Stewart. I think he, he did did really well, and I liked the the way the plot is going. I'm, I'm interested to see from here where do we go because if these both these girls were synthetic then who are their parents and, and is is Picard going to go see her parents or is he just going to seek out the twin I'm interested enough uh, to keep watching and can't wait to hear what you guys thought talk to you later thanks so much for the voicemail Steve great to hear from you
1: yeah thank you Steve um, shock horror that you're not a TNG fan <laughs> uh, but I'm with you there with Discovery and the original series as well I also have a soft spot for Enterprise, and I really like Deep Space Nine as well.
0: <laughs> so all of them. That
1: yeah, basically. I even like the Whale movie.
2: <laughs> I had completely forgotten about Enterprise. I kid you not, and I th- every time I think about it, I keep thinking of it just as a, a prolonged quantum leap episode. <laughs> um, that's the only way I think of it because I'm just like it was never. It never got its hooks in me, so it's probably the best way of just thinking about it. Maybe um, the
0: next transporter trip will be the trip home for Captain Archer. Exactly.
2: <laughs> hey Ziggy, because you know, you know, that someone has made that fan fiction. much. I'm sure. Going very quickly to what Steve said. I actually do think this is a thing that a lot of people needed. If you have not listened to our preview episode, listen to it because it you won't be as lost. And it's kind of one of the things I called out mm-hmm. in, in our first episode um, in the review, which is they don't explain too much. You get a lot more background in the comics and the Children of Mars um, short track. So I really think it's something that I think even with episode two, they still haven't explained very much of it. They, they've mm-hmm. kind of given a bit more. But anyway, I, I do think that, yes, if you haven't, if you still have some questions, go back and listen to John and Derek talk about the, 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 the preview episode, because that really does help and lay a bit more groundwork.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're able to help. Uh, this is kind of the podcast where we remove the word, obviously. That's one of the words we're not allowed to say on the podcast, as you probably know by now, Steve. Um, obviously. <laughs> so that this, this kind of helps people that may not have watched all of the Star Trek shows. There's, you know, this. Seven eight hundred episodes of the shows there 's definitely going to be something that we 've missed, and there 's hopefully going to be something that you 've missed and we can help point you towards if uh, if we know the answer to it and hopefully, if we don 't know the answer to something, you could send us in your feedback and let us know what we missed
1: yeah, and speaking of comics, we will be covering the third and final issue of the Picard cu- preview comic or mm. Prelude comics to this series that came out this week yeah um so yes we'll be covering that in a short little podcast snippet to interject between our episode two and our episode three coverage of star trek Picard the series Yeah, i give you
0: my uh my spoiler free uh reaction to issue three go on not as life changing as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. We'll leave that to the podcast yes, then. We'll get in, in deep on that one uh, on our podcast.
1: Yes. Uh, thanks again, Steve, uh, for the voicemail. Mm-hmm. Over on Facebook, uh, Bob Phillips says, Loving the threads of mysteries developing here. Does data know the future? Is Daj's twin sister a terrorist or a spy? Mm. Are the Romulans being Borg masters or archivists of architecture? Does the physical frailty of Picard tell us where the peril will emerge or hint at where he may be underestimated in the future? One question to Chris Jones. Did Jessica Darge do a superhuman jump or did she fly? Yes, Chris. (laughs) This is a Jessica Jones reference, everyone, from our Defenders TV podcast. And uh, when we covered the Marvel Netflix series, and there was a continuous battle between mm-hmm. Chris and Derek t- yes. as to whether Jessica Jones actually had the uh, superhuman ability to fly or whether she could simply dunk a basketball really well uh, by jumping she and jumping jump high. high. Yes, yes.
2: exactly. Yes.
1: Jumping high.
2: No comment.
1: <laughs> I would definitely say that Darj, uh for sure did a superhuman jump yeah. there.
2: Yes, she did. In Daj, Daj in this jumped. She has the bionic legs of a billion-dollar, billion-credit woman uh, <laughs> and is able to jump quite far. Uh, Jessica Jones does fly. Different thing, though. Yeah, and, and I still disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, well, and coming back to the Star Trek stuff, I think the, uh, the physical frailty of Picard, I think there's an interesting moment in Episode 2 in this episode um around picard's sort of physical well-being mm-hmm. um and, and his health uh, for sure and, and yes um romulans i wonder if they are archiving another race uh, and another race's architecture i think they're kind of doing the good old uh, strip and run um And by stripping, I mean, <laughs> stripping the Borg ship, not kind of doing a duh uh, in public. Absolutely. Um, for sure. <laughs> I love Bob's dirty
0: phrase. I love the idea of archivists of architecture. Fantastic. Love, Bob. Thank you for, for your feedback. Chris, do you want to take the next piece of feedback?
2: Sure. We have some feedback from Sergio Collins who says, I saw the first episode yesterday night and I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but does Sir Patrick sure really look that old or was he meant to just look that way for the series? I know he's 79, but man, he's always been a hero of mine and sort of a role model. I guess it just hits me really hard to realize he's not the young captain I knew back when the series premiered. Nevertheless, his performance is absolutely great. Can't wait to see the next chapter. Thank you, Sergio. Yeah, we actually talked about this in in our episode one review. Mm-hmm. Um th- Yes, the actor, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, is 79. We feel that they've aged him up to be the 90-something-year-old Picard he's supposed to be in the series. He's a bit more... Frail. He's a bit more kind. Of, he's not as spry as he is when you would see him in an interview on, like, the Graham Norton Show mm-hmm. or The View or some of the the interview circuits he's been doing. Either that, or they're just shoving a load of cocaine into him as he does the interview circuits with PR. Because uh, he's a bit more spry and jumpy and running around on those. Um, but pretty sure that's not what they're doing. Probably not so, the yes, case, though. I think it's just Patrick Sherwood is portraying the 90 something year old Picard that he's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's between 92 and 94. Uh, some discrepancy as to the actual description on that. Um, but in episode two, we definitely saw a reason as to why. I think they were doing that in the first episode. Uh, We'll get to that as we get into our episode two discussion. Uh, Jim Carrey added, Yes, all the gravitas and intimacy and heart. Since I'm in the midst of a Star Trek Next Generation rewatch, his physical appearance was stark and saddening. Obviously, I've aged too, but I didn't just watch a video of myself in 1991 (laughs) and look in the mirror. Very good. Very good.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is 79. And I think I remember an interview with him on the Graham Norton show. and, And certainly... Um, he does, he said he w- still works out to keep himself in shape because obviously acting is a demanding role in itself. Certainly, if you're doing theatre stuff where it's quick changes, racing around backstage, having to project the voice, use your diaphragm, all that kind of thing, almost a bit like singing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just the stamina of maybe doing matinees and an evening performance. And, you know, if you're on Broadway, you're in the West End. You're doing it every night uh, pretty much with maybe only one or two, probably just one day off uh, Mm. normally in in a run. Certainly, uh, you know, as it hits um, the the, the theatre circuit. So um, I I think, you know, a lot of actors have to keep themselves in physical shape because of the physical nature of, of the role. And I suppose the mental aspect of the role in terms of, you know, inhabiting someone else's character and the nuances you're having to put into that and the concentration around it so i think he does keep himself sort of tip-top shape uh but certainly yeah you i mean i watched um the next generation uh on netflix there just uh last night and Mm -hmm. uh i think we were looking at unification part one uh with the romulans and it was you know there's even still a little bit of her mm-hmm. <laughs> on uh, Jean-Luc Picard there, but he, you know, he, looks so much younger yeah and um, but yeah i mean we're talking 30 years ago absolutely videos um, of
0: me about 30 years ago i guess i'd still be in short pants right <laughs> uh, just <laughs> some other still
2: in short shorts
0: exactly just some quick reactions from some of the people over in the facebook group Teresa says i watched it and liked it so far looking forward to the next episode roger sprong said i just finished watching it i am hooked richard Mighton said great start to the episode and john bratt says As it's only just started, you have to get a bit of backstory. Yes, it started slow because of that. Then it did get better as it's only episode one. Come on, folks. Things things are going to get much better and
1: much more interesting as the series goes on. Thanks, John, Richard, Teresa and Roger for that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks so much for that feedback. Claire Payne said, My knowledge of Jean-Luc Picard and Star Trek Next Generation is very limited, as I have only seen the films, never any of the television shows. So essentially I'm watching Star Trek Picard as a newbie. Excellent. The trailer had me intrigued as I knew Sir Patrick Stewart had not played this role for a long time, but I knew he was considered one of the great captains of Star Trek just by talking and listening to friends and family as they respected this character greatly. I surprised myself at how much I enjoyed it. I watched on the Friday night and I've not been able to stop thinking about it. Visually, I think it is brilliant as you have a mix of familiar style living with the advanced technology of the future, mm-hmm. which actually didn't look out of place. When Jean-Luc Picard was being interviewed, uh, was this was one of my standout scenes because he looked so uncomfortable and I felt uncomfortable for him. The whole episode went so quickly i was fully engaged and i'm delighted it's a weekly show i don't really need to point out the obvious in how excellent the acting writing and how this episode was presented Uh, thank you claire for for that feedback i really like your point on the advanced technology i think again it was just that i think I, i mentioned it on our first podcast that being on earth it was just really good to see it seeing the replicator in a normal domestic kitchen, for example, um, was really good. And I know... In terms of that interview with um, Jean-Luc Picard, you know, there was an element of deep exposition there, but still, you know, the shots of him wringing his hands, getting kind of more agitated. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, was really good because again, it, it just, it picks out um, and and breaks up that exposition heavy part of, of that interview uh, for sure. And I think um, as a newbie, to the world of the next generation through Star Trek: Picard, um, I think that's uh, great that you enjoyed it. Uh, so uh, hopefully you enjoy the rest of the series.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Claire. Thanks so much for your feedback. It's great to hear, and you be on board, really enjoying the show, isn't it?
2: Yes, great. Thank you so much, Claire. And yeah, exactly. It's nice to see kind of that this can bring in new, new a new fan base to a degree, um, new people who probably didn't grow up on. Well, for all those who didn't grow up on The Next Generation and all those who are actually now interested and kind of potentially just missed Star Trek back then when they were growing up and now who can get in through this series. Yeah, really great. Thank you so much for your feedback, Claire. Mm -hmm. Over on our Twitter account, at TVPodIndustries, we had some feedback from Bill Hay, NBA. He said, solid start. Great show so far. Action packed and minimal Trek cheese so far. <laughs> I've actually seen some of this, um, that people felt there was always back in the day, say from the TOS and the next generation. Sorry, TOS is the original series. So this is the cat. This is the Kirk Spock. So this is the, um, the one where you, you had a bit more leotard fun. Um, but yes, there was, People saying that there was like a lot more cheese in it. I actually think a lot of the Star Trek since then hasn't had much quote unquote cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just Gene Roddenberry had a very, um, he had a very optimistic view of the future when he was writing about the Federation and Starfleet and looking at that. And I think that's where this perceived cheese comes from.
0: Well, there are a lot of Star Trek fans that do mourn the fact that it's gone away from the utopian future that Gene Roddenberry came up with for the original Star Trek. Um, but there always had to be conflict uh, over time. I would say, remember, Star Trek in the old days, Star Trek uh, Next Generation particularly had like 26 episodes in some of their seasons. You know, So some of the things we perceive as cheese is probably just fast writing to fill up their season of, of half a yeah. year worth of show. You know, So you're always expecting a little bit of cheese uh, occasionally in there yeah and And
2: personally i love cheese a bit of brie a bit of emmerdale (laughs) a bit elemental always good
1: emmerdale is a tv soap opera (laughs) um it's Wensleydale. Or Emmenthal. <laughs> That's the word. <one. laughs> yes. I, I must say, yeah, I, I would happily buy Star Trek cheese if it was in the cheese counter. No doubt guess. it would be a bluey-green vein cheese. Maybe. So, you know, kind of be a bit Romulan. I certainly um, for wouldn't sure.
0: be buying Emmerdale cheese. Anyway, back to your feedback.
1: Yes, I'm finally on Instagram. Uh, you can find us there on TV Podcast Industries. Disco Sane says, That young actress is amazing playing opposite Patrick Stewart. She was really good. While he was phenomenal himself uh, of that. Absolutely. I think Issa Briones who played uh, Darge and Soji um, really, really good uh, in this uh, role. And she was really good, as you say, against uh, and acting with Patrick Stewart in, in those, um, in those scenes mm-hmm. for sure. Alexia Bouvard Echoes that sentiment and said it was an amazing episode. Um, So, yes, I I think there's generally really good uh, reviews out there. I think there's some really good feedback. I mean, each to their own. Uh, And certainly, you know, the negative feedback that I think we've seen at least, um, you know, is referring to things like it being social justice warriors, you know, all this kind of thing. And you're kind of going, well, okay, so be it.
0: Probably not the show for you, absolutely weirdly, one of the biggest reactions that I saw it there was to a review from e w dot com They used to be entertainment weekly, they've now gone monthly, so clearly looking for a couple of clicks on their website uh gave it a two star review saying they they've created nothing new um that is so far beyond what most people have been reviewing this show that uh that it makes you feel like they're probably looking for clicks, right, probably.
2: I feel so, yes.
0: <laughs> anyway, thanks, everybody, for your feedback. Keep in contact with us as we go through the series. Keep emailing us at feedback at com, or you can go over
1: to our website and leave a voicemail. Record your thoughts at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yes, record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts uh, about the week's episode. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear from everyone and thanks so much for the feedback. Keep it coming on in for episode two or episode one if... Uh, You're coming a bit later, Mm -hmm. as well as um, for all the episodes to come here uh, on our discussion podcasts of Star Trek Picard. But I think we should get into episode two Mm -hmm. um, for sure, uh, because, yes, Maps and Legends... Uh Derek what are some of the episode details really easy one uh, this episode was
0: written by Michael Chabon and Akiva Goldsman uh, both executive producers on the show both wrote the la- last week's episode as well and episode 2 was directed by Hannah Lee M Culpepper a big apology I called her Hanel M Culpepper last week because uh, I hadn't actually seen her interviewed before I did that on Gotham when she was directing Gotham as well but I saw her interview directly after we did the episode and it's Hannah Lee M Culpepper so I won't make that mistake again <laughs> <laughs> she is fascinating if you do get to watch the ready room it's a uh, a 20 minute or so uh, after show presented by Will Wheaton and Will wheaton. He, exactly yes he had uh, he had the producers on last week and he also had a great bit about the uh, the music on the show chris you definitely should check that out if you've enjoyed the music it showed kind of the reason and how they came up with the uh, theme tune for the show from the uh, very opening of it why it starts with a, a single instrument and goes into the building form that it does it's definitely fascinating really enjoyed that excellent we all love will wheaton we do all love will wheaton
2: will wheaton will
0: wheaton <laughs> John, do you want to give us the official episode description for this episode of Star Trek Picard?
1: Sure. Picard begins investigating the mystery of Daj, as well as what her very existence means to the Federation. Without Starfleet's support, Picard is left leaning on others for help, including Dr. Agnes Jurati and an estranged former colleague, Rafi Musica. Meanwhile, hidden enemies are also interested in where Picard's search for the truth about Daj will lead. Yes, this really felt like a, a building on on the previous episode, yeah. and and the start of of seeing Picard move tentatively back towards the stars, uh, from his terrestrial start, uh, in, in episode one. Uh, but I think without further ado, we should get onto our prime directive. For all you fellow Trekkers and Trekkies joining us, uh, our structure to the Picard podcast here on TV Podcast Industries is we have our large point, the prime directive. Uh, And then we move to our general orders with the Omega Directive, followed by Make It So, number one, for our smallest point. Mm -hmm. So we have a large, middle, and small point. So, Prime Directive, here we come.
0: We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. Who wants to go first and face the ramifications of their Prime Directive, John?
1: Yes, I wouldn't mind going first for once. So I can... No, I won't. I I won't do as Chris blamed me uh, last uh, week for taking a point that is basically the entire episode. Mm -hmm. But the point I want to have um, is I'm loving the lore here, in particular around the Romulans. And in this episode, we get to hear of this um, older Romulan cabal called the Shad Fash, Mm. um, which is kind of... Um, a, a, well, it's described as this cabal that was before the Tal Shiar. It's mentioned by Loris and Shaban, um, who used to be members of the Tal Shiar. Uh, it, it's almost like this legend or myth in, in Romulan culture um, of this very secretive, much more older, ancient cabal called the Shad Vash, mm-hmm. uh, which came before the Tal Shiar. Um, and you have this sort of you know great description uh, that they operate with loathing I mean mm, if I that, that doesn't sound like the gestapo plus mm-hmm. uh so you know then I don't know what does um but that they are very very secretive, probably the most secretive of all romulan cabals because they're actually thought of as a myth or, or yeah. a legend i suppose if they do actually exist mm-hmm. i love that
0: idea where she says you think the tal Shiar are the secret police no no wait till you meet the secret secret
1: police <laughs> yeah and um it, it, it was just you know they they hide in the shadows but it's that they go against any treaty or protocol both within romulus as well within the romulan empire but also uh, they'll operate on other planets um so uh, effectively infiltrate deep cover uh, um with other planets and other galaxies uh, in other star systems mm-hmm. and they very much are based around a hatred of effectively synthetic life forms uh, and artificial intelligence so i, I you know the the assumption here is, is that the sort of black ops Romulans that were coming for Darge were secretive members of um, the 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 Jadvash, mm-hmm. uh, and I suppose why they would rather dissolve themselves and and kill themselves with the acid pill rather than be captured mm. and that we saw in the last episode mm. um when darge was was taken out by the acid and the exploding uh phaser yeah so you know this is a really sort of you know nice little bit of lore coming in here on, on the romulans that you know that this is the puppet master actually for the whole or potentially the whole uh romulan empire and certainly maybe for the tal shiar uh, and you, you you're starting to question then is it real or is it just this children's uh, fairy tale mm-hmm. used to scare uh the children you know like red riding hood or, or whatever it might be um with the wolves uh, you know hansel and gretel going into the the dark forest um mm-hmm. or is it real you know is loris right here because shaban certainly seems to be saying look no it's complete myth it, it it's not at all uh true yeah but she is she is convinced because you know there are that there, there are the rumors that are the legends and mm-hmm. um, that that come through and that they have come from somewhere so i i really enjoyed, um, this element to to this episode for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
2: This is where I have a question. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about the Talshiar and the Chatfash, are we kind of going like the Freemasons and then the Illuminati? Which is so like the Freemasons are everyone knows they're there, and no one really knows that no one believes that the Illuminati are real. Mm. So, is it kind of like that, or are we the Talshiar are more like Gestapo? Um, kind
0: of. the, the Talshiar, I suppose they operate in secret as well. So everybody knows they exist, but nobody knows who the members of them are. They don't present themselves as part of a government or anything like that. Um, they are massively secretive. So you've seen them in some episodes of of Star Trek in the past, um, but they they are a secret police force. But it's kind of interesting seeing. Um, as John mentioned, seeing Loris, who is a former member of the Tal Shiar, saying, You thought they were the secret ones, they're not even close. You can't even find out their identities. Wait till you hear about the Jadvash. Vash. You know, that is kind of a it, it's an idea that yes, there is a secret police, but there's an even more secret police that you didn't even know about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. And I, I think it's it's kind of the Tal Shiar is like MI six or the CIA or that kind of thing. The Jadvash is is almost like the black ops the covert uh no one knows that this is happening however not even the people that shouldn't know what's happening know that they exist it's so it's outside of the structures yeah. of the 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 tal shiar um, it's a cabal it, it's like spectre say in bond or mm-hmm. or something like that where it's it's operating um under official channels yep. if you were and this seems like it's going to form a big
0: part of the show. And, and as you say, John, this is building up new lore that Star Trek Picard can now investigate and, and kind of reveal parts of as the show goes on, which I just think is really interesting. Chris, do you want to take us on to your prime directive?
2: Yeah. So mine is kind of directly related to what John was talking about and mm-hmm. this chat vash, which is we're introduced to Narek and Narissa. Well, we're introduced to Narissa as Lieutenant Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Rizzo! Um, she has had surgery to make herself look human, so she we assume she is Romulan as well, Mm -hmm. um, or the Chatvash take, um, non Romulan species, um, we're not quite sure.
0: No, I I think there's a gag in there, Chris, and I think you meant you even talked about uh about Star Trek, uh, The Voyage Home earlier on Star Trek Four. The little gag in there when Narak is is joking about her appearance, saying you look like you've been plucked, and that's a reference to Spock having the pointy ears back in, in his return to Earth in in, uh, in Star Trek 4, where he said the reason he had it was because he got picked by a rice-picking machine on his ears, and that's why his ears are pointy. So it's a little joke that uh, her, she has no points in her ears, and she looks like she's been plucked when the Spock had points in his ears, and he looked like he'd been picked. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> so yes, it would seem that it is her it is his actual sister, and she's also Romulan, yeah.
2: Okay, so then she's undergone surgery, um, to be look human. So this starts raising questions. So, mm-hmm. you can't just have surgery to make yourself look human. There's going to be biological tests when you join Starfleet to become lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's obviously more to it than that. But anyway, they are both chatfash. That we, well, this is what we are assuming. One is infiltrated Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um and is reporting to a Vulcan Commodore who we've yet to get a name for. We just hear her introduced as Commodore and referred to as Commodore. Um so but she seems high ranking mm-hmm. based on her conversation with the the other admiral. Um and then we see that Narek has definitely infiltrated the Romulan cube um or He's somehow getting in there and controlling some of the things on that queue. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely an infiltration.
0: See, this is the one I'm, I'm definitely questioning. I'm sure this is the kind of thing that will be revealed as the show goes on. I don't know whether these two are Chatvash because we only just learned about them in the episode. I've never heard of the people before. I was just thinking they maybe were Talshiar and aren't involved in the Chatvash plot. Um, potentially they're just standard Talshiar. Uh, secret police or secret uh, underground people uh, who are embedding themselves in these organizations with their plot of domination of some sort whatever it may be uh, i'm not i don't know whether the are at all I don't, know, I don't know whether that's definite until we see a bit more about chat yeah
1: i mean I, I think we're certainly led to um understand here that at the heart of some command structure within starfleet uh within the federation there is Some deep undercover Mm -hmm. element of the Romulan Empire, whether that is Tal Shiar, um, which it could conceivably be, or whether it is uh, this newly discovered for for Trekkies, um, the Chad Vash, uh, at least newly discovered for me. Um, (laughs) But certainly, um, I think uh, there's something rotten in in the federation in starfleet mm-hmm. but to what extent maybe that commodore is aware of that um is difficult to know yeah. um because certainly yes she is um hiding her romulan ears by rounding them off so she i mean she is effectively in disguise yeah. here however yeah. she is doing that and a nice little uh, reference there we were, as, as john
0: mentioned we were watching uh, the episode of of star trek Uh, next generation where picard infiltrates the romulans by getting some plastic surgery done to look like a romulan just and data goes with them also gets some plastic surgery to look like a romulan so i like this idea that there's somebody else infiltrating them by getting plastic surgery to look like a human kind of cool
2: the the one thing I, i i'll bring in is i wonder if this has anything to do with section 31 Um, which is the kind of secret police of Starfleet. (laughs) It's been introduced and was heavily talked about in Discovery um, Season 2.
0: Heavily involved in in Deep Space Nine as well. Exactly.
2: The reason I bring this up is that in Discovery, spoilers, there is a part regarding surgery to look human. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give away too much, but the reason I'm kind of bringing that in so potentially this might be a Section 31 thing as yeah. well.
0: And there is a spin-off series uh, featuring Section 31 already been announced that should be coming up reasonably soon, but probably a smart idea to bring it into uh, Star Trek Picard as well, right?
2: Definitely. Oh, is there? I did not know that. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the other interesting thing is that, you know, assuming that uh, Narissa and Narek, you know, as brother and sister, if they are uh, jad Vash, then everything that's happening on the Borg ship in terms of what the Romulans are doing, they would seemingly be against this whole thing Mm -hmm. since they are um, absolutely fundamentally against and have a hatred for synthetics and and artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And this idea of of the collective could be an anathema to them, uh, to be honest. And so is it too kind of destroy them or is this whole hatred of ai and synthetics something um a, a little different because one of the interesting things on that that we were told was that you know technology in romulan society is much more just functional yeah. so they've never had synthetics they don't want androids they don't mm-hmm. and it it's the um the synthetic humanoid artificial intelligence of the technology that they are opposed and here you have that merging of the two with the borg so that it's something i feel that this cabal would be fundamentally against um the mm-hmm. idea that you could actually produce um an android or is it a cyborg when it's part human but some form of cyborg android it's not a robot i know that mm-hmm. but into Romulan society. Um, so, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's interesting that they're trying to undermine this, you know, uh, Romulan reclamation site mm. as much as um, trying to get at um, Soji, who um, they also believe then is um, a fully formed androids maybe yeah
0: yeah maybe this is where we're probably going to talk about it a lot more later on but this is where i feel that the chad vash were more likely involved in the mars attack that happened to set the blame on the artificial intelligence or the synthetic life forms potentially that's the, the reasoning behind why the attack happened was to get them all shut down and take them out of society maybe that was it but we'll get onto that a bit later on um the one that I wanted to talk about in my big moment for the episode was Picard trying to get approval from Starfleet because we've heard in dialogue and we've heard in preview discussions for the show that Picard has kind of separated away from Starfleet a bit, but this is our first real moment where we're seeing Admiral Picard going to Starfleet looking for help. He's dealing with Admiral Kristen Clancy um, and he's just sitting down where they're kind of going, well, all I need is a simple ship and I don't mind uh, not no longer being... Um, Admiral Picard, I don't mind being just captain. And then we get our first F word, I think, in all of Star Trek, uh, as far as I remember anyway, um, where she tells him that he's just being completely arrogant in front of her. And she cannot believe how arrogant he is. The idea of them giving back his commission to him after he walked away in this, under this dark cloud, I suppose. Um, so I thought that was fascinating that, that we have Picard, who used to be the hero of Starfleet, effectively walking in firstly, the guy behind the desk doesn't even know who he is, has to ask for his full details and credentials to just get a pass in. And then this admiral that he's speaking to isn't willing to give him the time of day. Is telling him to get out and, and don't darken the door again. You've made your bed, lie in it kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I loved this scene with the two admirals um, together because I just loved the fact that Jean-Luc Picard didn 't get what he thought he was going to mm-hmm. um you know actually there was a deep arrogance almost uh, of jean luc Picard that he would be able to go in and he could set out what he wanted to do like you would have seen him do on the next generation Mm -hmm. where it would be planned considered thought through and then the approval requested gosh it just sounded like civil service um (laughs) and you know you you would get the sign off and it would all be above board and formalized Uh, and here admiral clancy is having none of it yeah. she is just like how dare you come in here as you say you've made your bed you lie in it we're not just simply going to um you know have you click your fingers and we all jump yeah that's gone you're retired um off you go back to chateau picard uh, and down a bit more of the vintage red you know and i i really enjoyed this i i felt it really um put picard in his place and uh, you know but in a in a humiliating fashion i i think it's not something you would have seen so much in the next generation but i just thought the clash of these two characters Mm -hmm. um and the humility then that picard has to go because ultimately she calls the shots here yeah i thought it was really really so well acted and played out within this scene i really really enjoyed it And, and dare i say it that Maybe it was the second time it, uh, there was swearing in uh, Star Trek because earlier in the episode, Loris, the Romulan, says cheeky feckers mm-hmm. <laughs> in a very Irish accent. In a very
0: Irish accent, yes. Cheeky feckers. Feckers never seen as a, as a curse word, though, so it's all right.
1: <laughs> no, I suppose not. But we know what it really means.
0: Yeah, cheeky feckers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> such a great term mm-hmm. but uh yes i i love this scene i thought it was
0: absolutely great yeah yeah really really good i know a lot of uh of fans of voyager were hoping that the admiral was going to be admiral janeway um but with this outcome would you really want admiral janeway to be the one to uh to send picard on with off with his marching orders
2: no not at all i, I think what they're gonna do is save I, if she's not in this season, mm-hmm. for a later part of the season, like I think they're saving a lot of surprises, quote unquote. Yeah. So I like we already know that um, Riker will be in it, mm-hmm. and he he if he's in it, he's going to do the Riker sit down. Maybe the Riker maneuver. <laughs> um. So like that will happen.
0: Maybe we do. We do know he's directing some episodes this season as well, which would be kind of cool to have him back behind the camera exactly. for, for this uh, this show.
2: But I think what we'll do is we'll get, like, Worf, we'll get Geordi LaForge, um, at somehow... Maybe. Like, I think what we'll get is one or two people in this. I think potentially as well, we'll, could get, like, a Janeway in it. If not, based on the success of this, we'll definitely get them for season two. Like, we called out in, um in our episode one, is that Whoopi Goldberg will be reprising her role as Guinan in season two. Mm -hmm. And that was announced on The View as part of the season one kind of uh, PR um, kind of circuit. So I think we'll get some of that as well. But I'm with you anyway, taking completely back to the main point, which is this is a really interesting scene.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's one of my favourites from the episode. Really interesting to see what's happened to the character. Uh, That's it for our Prime Directives. Let's get on to our Omega Directives.
3: Implement the Omega Directive immediately.
0: John are you going to also implement your omega directive?
1: Yes, it's going to be well, it's no, it's 14 years uh, earlier actually. Oh, right. Um <laughs> I really like this uh sort of look back to the Mars uh shipyards and mm-hmm. um, and 14 years before uh, and the attack on those sh- uh shipyards of Starfleet the by by the rogue since. I think it it's really nice that it's connecting back to then you know it's the genesis of where this has has happened you know this is where the mystery this is where the hub of the mystery is really in that sense and it it links to the short track children of mars nicely uh, as well as the 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 prelude uh, comics as well that we've been covering in our preview podcast um, and I, I really enjoyed this um, because, first of all, I thought F eight the creepy android, one of the, the the replicated androids, was just so nicely done. Just the piercing eyes. I mean, they're exactly the same eyes as Data. They look very similar, um, yep. you know, in that sense. But it's the same tone of skin as well as as data Mm -hmm. but there is something creepy about it whereas i never got that from data Mm. um you know it was maybe because f8 is bald um but he was creepy and he goes creepier basically when he goes rogue um there's that great kind of moment um where it's all, almost like an order 66 where he switches on um where he you know he starts bringing down all the shields and, and all that and you know turns effectively on his human overlords and mm-hmm. um, and i i thought it was a real nice touch seeing uh the blood from the human overlords from the laser blast I, i'm not too sure it was a, a laser uh, or a, a laser weapon. I think it may have been a tool, a cutting tool or something like that. Or a phaser in this
0: universe. John. Or a
1: phaser even, yes. <laughs> um, but I, I like the fact that when he shoots them with this this tool or or, or phaser, mm-hmm. that you, you do get a little bit of pooled blood there yeah. because it's quite a big um, entry wound. And I just thought, you know, certainly the next generation um, from the 90s wouldn't have had um, sort of that kind of aspect to it I, and i quite like that but i i thought this was um i thought f8 was just really good and I, I liked how it um just showed you know again that relationship of humans to androids you know they're interacting with him to effectively joke at his expense because yeah. they know he doesn't have the emotions he will speak literally and there's no real um, empathy there for this android and that absolutely sets them apart from from data mm-hmm. uh, ag- again um recently looking back at some of the next generation the episode where data is having to prove that he is a sentient being and um, with um the dr maddox mm-hmm. as well that whole episode just in terms of that he has consciousness, that he is sentient, that he is intelligent. These three different rules um, that Dr. Maddox is giving him. And it you can see the absolute sort of difference here with these androids who have been built, created to simply work on the the ships in Starfleet's uh, shipyards mm-hmm. uh, and for no other reason, purely for a technical uh, and sort of physical uh, and, and speed reason in terms of the job that they do. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, that's a really nice sort of contrast with data from both the first episode in this, but also more generally with The Next Generation and his whole sort of development and arc across the many seasons of yeah. The Next Generation.
0: Yeah. It, it feels like FA has been programmed with a call and response unit, basically. They, you hear them telling a joke, and he knows how to answer and respond to them every time they start delivering the punchline to him kind of thing. But they know he doesn't get jokes. They know he doesn't understand what's going on. So very interesting. I had this whole section described as Lieutenant Pincus and the plastic people, Face comes to Mars. Because um, I like the idea that it's F8, which is fate. And this is about to bring down uh, everything that's going right for Starfleet, I suppose. So uh, So kind of like that.
2: Yeah, I I love this bit uh, in that it answers questions but raises a few more for me. In that he suddenly F eight fate. I never I didn't get that until you said it. By the way, thank you.
0: Many many years of watching uh, watching sci fi movies. TV. <laughs>
2: um, just seeing him his eyes download the message, mm-hmm. download the program. Um, it definitely raised questions as to what happened it it for me so again it, it it's not like it was a an oops moment if you know what i mean so it was definitely an uprising so it means something was dialed in for me it seemed like it was an outside um intrusion
0: absolutely yeah yeah absolutely yeah. The, the big question now is You know, everybody's been saying for decades, this is caused by rogue Since And do we think now after watching this first scene really of the uh, attack on Mars from the inside, do we think this is something that it was an uprising of the synthetics or do we think it was controlled by external or do we think a rogue synthetic is controlling it from externally? You know, it it could be multitude of things that cause this to happen, but it doesn't seem to be something that happened by mistake.
2: Exactly. So the way that it was portrayed as an uprising to me, Mm -hmm. I got the feeling like they were a downtrodden slave units that in this 14 years earlier, Mm -hmm. we were going to see F8 be slapped around, pushed over. The easy fall to slave kind of Mm -hmm. trope where he gets whipped one too many times and then rises up. Right. I assumed that was what they meant by uprising
0: yes absolutely and after playing detroit become human human last year in the playstation 4 i was absolutely expecting that to be the trajectory of what happened yes yeah Yeah.
2: exactly and instead what they give us is f8 is doesn't understand the jokes but the 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 starfleet shipyard staff Mm -hmm. they are friendly with them yeah um and one makes a joke uh, at at F8's expense and the other two go, hey he can hear you. Yeah. He has super hearing, he's next door, and he goes, Oh, it doesn't matter. He still heard it. Mm-hmm. But like they they're they're nice. So it's not the abused, downtrodden um kind of synthetics rising up. Yeah. 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 It seems like it was as you said, it could have been someone else or some another synthet- synthetic synthetic Using the synthetics on Mars mm-hmm. to destroy and attack. Yeah, anyway. and it, and
1: it seems like a local. I say localized, but you know they've risen up on Mars, and now the 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 little bit of atmosphere that there is on Mars um, is still. On fire, I think they say, in the first episode, hmm. I don't know how that um, works, yeah. or or whether yeah. it's just from the stuff that they were mining, mm-hmm. you know, or the chemicals or or whatever that yeah. you know Mars is still on fire so so basically it's unlikely that anyone um has has survived. So, you know, that the, there's no story of the synthetics kind of doing as you say that kind of upload to them in order to change them. Yeah. I think the question for me is still the ships that then come in because he takes down the defense grid, mm-hmm. uh, the ships that come in to effectively um attack from from the the orbit of Mars. You know, again, are they operated by synths or uh, are they operated by someone else and yeah. hopefully that will get uh shown um over the course of time exactly yeah yeah looking forward to seeing a bit more about that chris do you want to give us your omega directive
2: sure um for me it is laris and saban we were introduced to them in in episode one mm-hmm. um we know that they were they were, ta- they were Tal Shiar. There's a bit of backstory for those who have read the comics. I haven't, but that they owe Jean Luc their lives. They've been caring for him, quote unquote, on his chateau with him. Um, but especially I'm finding that they're, they're, be- they're useful in this situation mm-hmm. in that, um, they knew about the Chat They, they know about the inner workings of the Tal Shiar. Um, they they know about the Romulans. Luke trusts them. Yes, they are useful plot characters, but they're actually good characters. If mm-hmm. if I I want to kind of bring this out in yeah. that, yes, Loris does have a terrible Irish accent to a degree. But- it, it it's not bad. <laughs> it's just every now and again it comes out with a bit of Begari with Jesus. Where's me lucky charm lucky charms? Uh huh. Um, which fine. Okay, it's, we'll, we'll allow it. Um, but I don't think she actually is Irish. She is, yes. She is? Yep. My God, then she is
0: at <laughs> <handling it> home. <laughs> ah, I love it. I, fe- I felt seen, Chris. When you see an actor on TV saying a phrase like, you dirty feckers, you do feel like you're back watching an Irish movie like The Snapper or The Commitments or something. It really feels like something from Ireland, a real Irish voice up on up on a, on a TV screen is great. don't really understand how the Romulans have an Irish accent, but hey, look, look that doesn't matter.
2: No, no. The, the phrases, I agree with you. It was great. It's just, it was just, she hammed it up a bit. But anyway, I I just, I like these characters. They feel actually, they have a bit of depth to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really hoping they they continue to be useful. Yeah. yeah. What I don't want to see is that they, they come... Now that they've given up the Shat Vash information, they they they've they've given up their boogeyman, they their Baba Yaga, kind of uh for those who are uh fans of um John Wick, mm-hmm. that they're big boogeyman, their Baba Yaga's their their mythology, they've given that out and don't really see much more of them, except right at the end when they die or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um where they're used to lure Picard back, um, and like they, are they, hostages or something like that. I I really want them to be active characters, ingrained in in, in kind of ingrained in this. Yeah. kind of not tertiary characters, more ingrained.
1: Chris, as we as we said before, um, you know, in the spirit of the X Files, trust no one.
2: It's mm-hmm. <laughs> true. It's true. That being said, I can sincerely see them being chat um, or at least one of them, and they will come out. How could you do this? Like, because they're lovers and married and stuff. Maybe and one of them maybe, won't know. I
0: just can't see that being a big reveal. No, um, they've just given all the information to Vikar. They probably would have kept it a bit more secretive. But they? I, I, well, I, no, I d- she gave the information exactly. Exactly, he
1: didn't. Yes, so I, I must say I'm kind of there going, "Ooh, that could be sort of, the, sort of the little hint right. uh, for sure." I, I did like, uh, Loris, uh with. The, what was it, the, they called it the digital scrubbers in Darja's apartment. I thought that was really, really uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of where we understood about how Romulans really do use technology um, in a very sort of detached way. It is for a functional purpose. And they are not suddenly going to have an Android or AI. It, it, it's for analysis it 's for scanning it 's that kind of stuff, so uh, i I liked her digital scrubbers,
2: which is perfect because I think that brings us uh, on to Derek
0: it does yeah, because the central mystery of the series really at the moment seems to be who 's Dash and where's she from and and what 's the connection I suppose, and we get a lot of that backstory here on Dash. Uh, throughout these scenes uh, with Laris when we have uh, everything replaying and uh, getting more and more information I really like the idea that we find out that Dash is aware of her sister in this episode uh, we heard nothing about her in the first episode but we know that Dash has been calling her sister and her sister has been calling her so she must be well aware of who her sister is um we know that she was created three years previously, or it's worked out that she created just three years ago, and the rest of her history and the rest of her life is fabricated. So I kind of like that we have these uh, extra layers being added as well to the story. You know, the question that we had before was, if she's about 20 years old, when was she created? Was she created by uh, Dr. Bruce Maddox before this attack on Mars? Well, if she's only three years old, it sounds like she probably was created quite recently yeah so um potentially all of this work is going on off world by dr maddox and she's been sent back to this earth to do something and her sister soji has been sent onto the board cube to do something uh some kind of mission for him as well so lots of very interesting connections and lots of very interesting um investigations going on into the life of dad and the life of, uh, of soji i think in this episode
1: call me suspicious but her backstory could have been created three years ago because she's been around longer and now it's about infiltration mm-hmm. into human society now okay she's dead but what's what's the deal with soji is the thing and mm-hmm. she's in um as a romulan you know she's the, so is it that these rogue synths you know again come coming to the question of what chris said you know is it a, a, an upload to the androids that made them go rogue? Or is it some kind of self-awareness of becoming rogue uh, in that way? You know, almost a bit like uh, Cyberdyne systems where it gets self-conscious and decides that actually humans are pretty naff or Mm -hmm. romulans are pretty naff or vulcans are pretty naff look what they're doing and the only way is to to get rid of them they are flesh and blood over metal just like the terminators in in that movie or in terms of what use they are being put to which is you know effectively hard labor essentially or or doing um the work in place of 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 humans romulans vulcans etc so it's like is that the reason why this elaborate backstory with Mother, with their education history and so on, was only created three years ago? But again, we'll we'll see uh, as the episodes uh, drop. Mm-hmm. Agreed,
0: yeah, but I just felt it was a big kind of moment for the episode because we need to know more about this character. If she's going to take us sure. on a journey and take yep. Picard out into space again, she needs to be really important. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what they're giving us so far. Let's get on to our number one, our small moment
1: from the episode
0: make it so number
1: one john do you want to continue with your number one sure yeah my small moment for this episode is when jean-luc picard uh meets with dr Benoin, um, played by david Paymer. Um I, I really uh enjoyed this in that you first of all you know for a what a 94 year old you're in rude health uh, and and the whole meeting is to get um picard back into space but you know he he has almost this flawless physical health Mm. and or health in general but there's something that he brings up uh, an unnamed medical problem that's discussed um, by these two former colleagues and it's not mentioned and i maybe it's not a medical issue and maybe i just mistook the the, the the conversation but that's the thing that is preventing him from getting effectively his uh license so that he can do um go back into space and do interstellar travel mm. um and yet he can yeah spin on a dime run 100 meters probably faster than me yeah and me um yet that there is something there's a medical issue or problem or condition mm. that is effectively preventing him from going back into space and i i thought that was intriguing i think it links a bit to what uh bob phillips was saying in the feedback around physical frailty exactly. or, or or something else that, and maybe um whether it's ptsd or, or some kind of problematic condition uh on mental health or you know something like Alzheimer's maybe or, or dementia. I don't know, um, but even something that the you know m- this advanced Earth with its medical advances isn't able to deal with uh, in, in some way. But again, maybe it's not something that will be explored uh, any further. But I was just wondering, what is it? I also think it's quite nice that uh, Dr. Benwin um, is a former medical officer on the USS Stargazer, uh, which we saw in the vault in, in uh, episode one, uh, one of Picard's um, earlier ships yes. that he uh captained his first command yes yes exactly um, and there weren't very many named
0: characters that were on the or in the show so uh so that's a, a kind of interesting and definitely seeing the character played by david palmer uh, on the show i was kind of going these two were meeting like old friends they're both really good actors so they're selling that they've known each other all their lives kind of thing and i was like is he from the show is he from star trek because <laughs> it convinced me instantly that I must have seen these two uh, interact before in the past, you know, and the only medical condition that I'm aware of with uh, Jean-Luc Picard is that, his heart was replaced. He he doesn't have a he has an artificial heart, um, which almost stopped once uh, in the past, killing him. Um, that's the only medical condition I'm aware of. And I don't know what how that resolved towards the end of the show, but uh, that potentially could be it. That effectively he's lived such a long life now that the heart that he got when he was in his twenties after an attack uh, can't survive another uh, massive trip out into the universe. Maybe it's something like that. But
1: yeah, yeah because. Dr. Benwin does say you're medically fit for interstellar service yeah. and then says but there's that one thing. Yeah. Now maybe he just meant his resignation and the whole issue effectively that we see with uh, Admiral Clancy maybe. Um but just because it was coming from the doctor it felt like it was a medical issue that he wasn't divulging because they both were intimately aware of it. So I just thought that was interesting. I was wondering if that was the case and just to see whether maybe it's you know, because Picard is ninety four, because um uh life everlasting hasn't come to even the humans uh four centuries from now Mm -hmm. that that everyone's still mortal, that there is some things that they still simply can't treat yeah. uh, medically. And whether that's a reference to that, I thought was interesting, but um, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it won't be come up again. But I just thought it was an interesting yeah. little moment in that conversation between two former colleagues. Mm-hmm.
2: I think he says something along the lines of, there's something in your lobe. So kind of the frontal lobe yes. of the brain. Oh, well, maybe. yeah,
1: Yeah. And that's why I thought it's still a medical condition, but maybe it's something more neurological or, or to do um, with sort of, you know, diseases of, of the brain and the nervous system and, and that kind of thing.
2: Can I bring something up? What if it's a foreign object? What uh, if it's yes. something from his days as Lacutus? Maybe. Exactly. Mm, maybe.
1: Interesting. I hadn't thought of that.
2: Yeah. Um, for those who are um, kind of joining, um, Star Trek Picard for the first time, back in the next generation, Picard was turned for about two or three episodes into a Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, he was assimilated and as that, on that time, his name was Lacutus. Um, so he was assimilated and then turned back. So, based on what we know that this is the Borg involved in this series, um, it could be that basically this unidentified problem Mm -hmm. in in his brain is something that was injected there from the Borg back in the day. Because that will play in nicely to the story with the Borg and everything. Absolutely.
0: I I was wondering whether it was just part of the cover-up idea where they were trying to make him... Sound as if he's seeing things kind of thing, you know. That's why, um, Daj isn't in the frame in those, in those videos that we've, that we've seen. Maybe it was all just erased, or maybe it was a problem with your brain, Picard, you know, uh, one of those kind of cover up oh, ideas. Right. But anyway, speaking of the Borg, Chris, your number one's about the Borg a bit.
2: Yes, um, the Borg Cube, the, 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 the Romulan reclamation site mm-hmm. or center. Um, it seems to be a cross species, cross, not just Starfleet. It's across multiple, um, kind of species, multiple races. Um, it's a research piece. So Soji's working there officially. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting because what we find out is there's some previous Borg wandering around in the grain zone, the, the gray zone. This is, they've been cut off from the collective. Mm -hmm. This is said by the Romulan. Overseer, kind of like that, one of the main guys who's talking to Soji and this other new doctor mm-hmm. who has, who has applied to get in multiple times. She was on her way there the last time and got turned around. So this seems to be like the ultimate research gig, um, to a degree. Yeah. Um, so it is, it all is above board where it seemed like in the first episode, this could have been slightly kind of, Below, below board, but like this was kind of like a, a black site. Yeah, the, this no, this all seems proper research above board. They're doing good things. Mm-hmm. They're they're reclaiming the both the Borg cube, the technology, and the actual X drones. Yeah, I'm
0: kind of repatriating them. Yeah, it seem, seems like it. I like I like that idea. You know, effectively that's what happened with Seven of Nine, a former Borg had the implants taken out of her and she was allowed to return to human society. We've had other characters like that in the past as well. So now it looks like they've got a massive unit that are doing that. Uh, really interesting. But i I definitely like to point out, though, it does all seem above board. but they're very clear to point out, very secretive still, though. And this idea that there are some rogue Borgs, previous Borgs, wandering around the Grey Zone, don't go in there or something bad might happen to you, that could be a very secretive way of dealing with certain things that they're investigating.
1: Yes, it's certainly above Borg.
2: (laughs) I see what you did there. It certainly (laughs) is.
0: (laughs) And speaking of some cross-species work, we also had uh, the relationship of Soji
1: and of uh, Narek is revealed as well in this episode. Yes, a bit of Romulan nookie Mm -hmm. going on in the opening uh, few moments of this this episode. Uh Uh, And of course, though knowing then with Lieutenant Rizzo or uh Narek's uh, sister, uh, that that probably is not all that it seems, uh, Mm -hmm. certainly not from Narek's point of view. I love that moment where Lieutenant Rizzo says to um, the Commodore that I've put my best man on the job, i.e. meaning her brother, and the Commodore going, yes, is he really your best man? He has, you know, (laughs) some fairly... uh, unusual methods Mm. um again actually that that whole conversation between uh the commodore and lieutenant rizzo was quite nice uh, as well um you know where rizzo goes do you want me to take care of picard and the commodore goes no you don't understand undercover (laughs) you don't have any (laughs) patience i thought that was quite like as a typical vulcan um she was really measured and cutting in a logical way. Uh, it was really, really good.
0: Yeah, I even like that threat of thort- of torture from Rizzo, where she's saying, "I'll make him suffer as long as you want." I thought that was quite interesting. That seems <laughs> very brutal of her. Uh, but yeah definitely see more of that in the future um, my final number one moment for this episode is just the end of episode introduction to Rafi Massacre Um, I really want to know more about this character you only get her on screen for a couple of seconds uh, at the end of the episode but I just love the interaction between uh, Picard and, and Rafi, where he arrives at her place in the space taxi I guess the new Uber <laughs> uh, where it drops him off and disappears Uh, he comes there with his bottle of wine and she turns him away instantly at gunpoint saying there's absolutely nothing you can say that would convince me to speak to you again he goes uh, Romulan assassins are operating on Earth (laughs) and instantly she puts down the gun going damn it you know me too well
2: (laughs) (laughs) and is that bottle of uh, Picard 86 yeah exactly
0: Mm -hmm. really good yeah I like that little moment because it just shows you Raffi is going to be our little hand solo uh, for this show I think it's uh, get out of here oh actually this sounds like an interesting plan, an interesting mission. So uh, I like that. Um, really nice introduction. We just know the character from the comic books, um, and we know that she's going to form a major part of the series anyway. So uh, it's just nice to get that moment uh, to see her at the start of this episode. So hopefully, we'll see
1: a lot more uh, as the season goes on.
2: I'm hoping so too. Yeah, um, I really liked the, the introduction.
1: Definitely looking forward to seeing what Raffi comes up with uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good introduction. Great start. On to any points or
0: Easter eggs that we may have found in the episode.
2: Isn't there something else you'd have to do? Yes. There is something else I'd have to do. <laughs> uh I have two quick points. Um, one is we see the original Enterprise um or I should say the original the original series Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um so the the TOS The Kirk Enterprise. There you go. go. Um, That Enterprise. And then we also see Jean-Luc's, the original Next Generation Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm no good with the numbering or anything. I just, I I know from the look of them.
0: That's the 1701D is the one from Next Generation. But I love directly underneath that Enterprise I mentioned earlier on. But directly underneath that Enterprise, you have Picard asking for his credentials to the receptionist on the desk who's going and who might you be? <laughs> With this massive <laughs> exactly. uh, hologram directly over his head of the Enterprise that he flew uh, for so many that years. That was mine. That one there, that was me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, And then just a nice cut piece of, I, I don't know if it's, it's a deep cut or a piece of comedy or whatever, on the board cube when they have that kind of um, all hands for the the, the researchers, mm-hmm. the, there's a sign that says this facility has gone 5,843 days without an assimilation. I really like that. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, so what does that mean? Essentially, that was, um, I think it's like 15.9 years um, without an assimilation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So is that when the Borg cube was destroyed? It's just, maybe one of our listeners will know better, but yeah, I it's 15.9. Is that back when the Borg cube was destroyed and data was destroyed on the Borg cube in Nemesis? Um is so I I know I'm assuming it's more than just a nice little fun joke mm, yeah. in re- relation to kind of more than just like zero days since someone's been assimilated cuz that if you're going to do that joke, you do the like it's been zero days, mm-hmm. you do or one day since someone's been assimilated. Yeah. Um, kind of like the Simpsons, you put someone like up there, like scratching it out. That's the comedic part. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm wondering, you know, it, it takes place before the attack on Mars, definitely, uh, which always makes me kind of wonder: um, was this connected? Is there something in between? Yeah, those? Yeah, that's you know,
1: what I w- potentially would be be thinking. Is it connected? W- was this where the the computer upload could be done because mm-hmm. obviously the Borg always received a collective uh, instruction truth, yeah. uh, at once. So yeah, the, that that p- potential for connection with this reclamation site, uh, the Borg Cube, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, genuinely, if we hadn't seen
0: Narissa come and meet Narek. On board that ship, uh, from Earth, from her meeting about about Picard, I'd be wondering whether this was one of our time twisty things here, where this whole reclamation of the Bork's Eye was taking place fourteen years ago, you know. Um, but oh. it can't be that because of that, just purely because of those two characters interacting after meeting with Picard. So, um, so we know it wasn't uh, that much of a time difference. So there you
2: go. I actually, t- I did my math wrong. It's sixteen calendar years. Oh, there you go. Um, so this is. Yeah, so this is two years before Mars so there's definitely going to be something.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, I just had one uh, Easter egg that I noticed or one thing I wanted to call out. Maybe it's nothing at all, but I do like the fact that there was an Ensign Clancy that was on board uh, the Enterprise at one point. She was in the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, season three, episode two. Uh, I just think it's interesting because it's entirely possible given how much time has passed since season three of Star Trek The Next Generation that that Ensign has worked her way all the way through the ranks from Engineer all the way to Admiral and is now saying to Picard, I can't help you out. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) I just think it'd be interesting if that was the same character played by a different actress. Uh, The character in the original show was played by Anne Ramsey, who was in the TV show, Mad About You. um, If you recognize her, Um, I just think it's quite interesting that uh, that may have brought back a character from, uh, from the next generation. Picard might have actually known uh, and maybe she's become an admiral. Lots of mites and maybes in there, but that's my little, connection or Easter egg that I think might be in there.
1: John, anything that you noticed in the episode? No, uh, nothing more than what's been said. Nope. Excellent. Well,
0: the last thing we need to do then is what did you think of Star Trek Picard Episode 2, Maps and Legends? Was it legendary? Was it mapped out to your liking? John?
1: Yes, it was. Um, I really really enjoyed this. Uh, Dare I say, I do defend it. Um, (laughs) But I would give this four out of control rogue replicators out of 5 nice. um i really i like the little kind of flashback to the, you know as i say the genesis effectively of, of this um this whole mystery um i love this Shad Vash and the the potential uh the the deep intrigue the deep um sort of infiltration that could be happening here uh with starfleet with the federation um i loved the exchange between um admiral clancy and picard uh, at starfleet headquarters mm-hmm. uh there's this whole thing you know building on about Daj, about her three years you know was that indeed the was she built by bruce maddox he implanted that three years ago where is he is he being held by maybe the chad vash um what's happened to this uh dr maddox and uh, again seeing um lieutenant rizzo effectively in disguise deep in um the Starfleet command with the the vulcan commodore and then realizing that this this lieutenant rizzo is in fact Narissa, the the sister of uh, narak uh, and he is getting very close to uh soji then um Again, it it's it's a it's a nice little um nudge forward in, in this story. And then there is raffi right at the end, and that just looks like it is gonna be a wonderful relationship. It should be fun to watch. It should be very fun to watch. So uh yes, I absolutely uh really again loved this episode and cannot wait for episode three. Chris, what are your thoughts on Star Trek Picard Episode 2?
2: I'm really still enjoying it. Um, They've kept the pace up for a second episode, which is good. Um, It's going to be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, I'm hoping it's not just... It's going to be Picard chasing Soji or trying to find Soji up until the very last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the last episode, you meet Soji and wait for Season 2... Uh, I don't think they'll go down that route. Is that
0: because another show that we literally just covered ended that way, Chris? <laughs>
2: yes, pretty much. That's that, that's exactly why. <laughs> I'm just like I don't want you to do that Not to my <laughs> They They're peaking a lot of questions for mm-hmm. me, um, or they're peaking my interest. I should say in a lot of uh, kind of areas around this. Um, so I'm interested to see where they go. Um, I I I hope it does pick up slightly. Um, in just in terms of pace, so we'll see how the next episode goes, but overall, still enjoying it. But that's my thoughts, Derek. How are you finding episode two of Star Trek Picard?
0: Yeah, I'm loving the series so far. I'm I'm really liking what they're bringing to Star Trek Picard and all the extra stuff we're learning. John's already mentioned all the brand new stuff we learned in this episode. Um, and yeah, really intrigued to see what's happening and really interested to find out the real cause behind the Mars attack, uh, and potentially the reclamation of what's going on in the Borg, and you know, I want to see who's behind all of that. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to episode three. John, one last thing to do before we get out of here at the end of this episode. What is the pub quiz question for this week? We gave out our first pub quiz question on episode one. Make sure you listen to that and send in your your idea of what that is. We've got a couple of entries so far. But, John, do you have a pub quiz question for this episode?
1: I do. Yes. Welcome to 10 Forward, Uh fellow trekkies uh hopefully you've got uh, a a klingon speciality with the blood wine or or maybe a klingon fire wine uh, at your disposal to mm-hmm. drink and get utterly sloshed in 10 forward <laughs> but obviously we are doing our 10 forward uh, pub quiz and so the question for this episode. How many days has the Romulan reclamation site gone without an assimilation? Answers on a postcard, as they (laughs) say on Blue Peter. Or alternatively, you can send your answer to us uh, at our email address. Just send it in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Remember, you can send your answers in either episode by episode or all in one go right at the end or in two parts, however you want to do it. But please send it in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. The person with the most correct answers at the end of the 10 episode season will be in for some Star Trek goodies. and, of course, uh, there will be no replicator uh, to provide to you. Yes, unfortunately, no replicator
0: is available yet. John, give them the question one last time.
1: Yes. How many days has the Romulan reclamation site gone without an assimilation? And you should be able to find the answer to that just a
0: little bit back in the podcast as well little pro tip for you there thanks so much for joining us we hope you stay subscribed to the podcast for the rest of the series if you enjoy what you hear why not share the podcast with your friends sharing the podcast is sharing the love for tv podcast industries you can also support us over on patreon at patreon.com slash tv podcast industries a huge thank you to all of our supporters over there including bob phillips into the night a moonlight podcast steve brown from panels to pixels amy fitzgerald Stuart campbell Orin dix Ken Hugh and Claire Payne, thank you so much for all your support. We've had a big month this month where we've had to go out and do a lot of expensive things for the podcast. So any support that you're providing to us over there has gone back into the podcast. So thank you so much for that.
2: Yes, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. It helps keep the lights on and the dilithium crystals charged.
1: Yes, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, for your support on Patreon. Uh, And of course, you can support us by sharing the podcast as well. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite Federation or Romulan podcast catcher. Absolutely. One final shout-out and a huge thank you
0: to Jason Caron over on The Walking Dead cast who gave a shout-out to the TV Podcast Industries podcast about Picard, and also to Brian Malosh and Ruthie over on the Talk Through Media podcast where they're also discussing Picard as well. That's definitely the one to go to if you want someone that knows all about uh, Star Trek. Uh, Brian and Ruthie's very in-depth podcast all about about Star Trek Picard. Thanks so much, everybody. And bye-bye, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers.
1: Keep watching the stars.
2: Yes, we'll be back next week for Star Trek Picard, Episode 3, The End is the Beginning.
1: Yes, thank you so much, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies, uh, for joining us. It's a pleasure speaking with you. And, of course, just to remind you, you are absolutely in great health as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember... Keep watching, keep listening, and engage. Bye.
2: And if you want to help with our dilithium drives and keeping the lights on, you feel free to pop on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where you can support us at a single dollar, a single euro, whichever pound or federation money currency that you want. Be a bit ferengay if you want on it. And the dollar always wins. No, no, I I can see, I can see one of the hosts looking at me going, ooh, we're bringing in Frankie. Don't do that. That's too much of a deep cut. DS9, no one will get it. (laughs) Don't worry. Uh yes, quick aside, if you... quick
0: aside, Chris, it was only the only reason I was looking weird was because you said forenge and I just thought that <laughs> that's not the pronunciation for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because hey, look, they're Ferengi gay and I. They're all it's everyone's happy as being a forerenge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or no, in, no. in vernacular speak, Ferengi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> Where I was like, should I just start that again?
0: That would be awesome. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> you know, the negative feedback that I think we've seen, at least, um, you know, is referring to things like it being social justice warriors, you know, all this kind of thing, and you're kind of going, well, okay, so be it. Probably not the show for you. Absolutely. What a load of bollocks. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> That's it. Wait, I love that he, our producers swearing. This is great, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's the gates are open. <whistles> Derek, how are you finding episode two? Loving it, Such loving a it. Yeah,
0: really enjoying the series uh, so far. Loving the extra additions that have been <laughs> the extra additions that have been added. How many redundant words can I put into a sentence?
2: <laughs>